0: Welcome to Weekly Grooves. My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves picks a current article or news topic, and we explore it through a behavioral science lens. We dig in deep to help you understand the psychology behind the headline. The specific topic that spurs us to this conversation is current, but
1: the insights are timeless.
0: (laughs) Okay, so this week we are going to explore a recent article published by Harvard Business Review's The Big Idea titled, Microsoft Analyzed Data on Its Newly Remote Workforce, and it was written by Natalie Singer-Voluche, Kevin Sherman, and Eric Anderson. The article looks at four months of data from Microsoft and how everybody was working from home once the pandemic started. Yeah, and what is particularly
1: interesting about this isn't that Microsoft just collected data on a bunch of things during the past four months, but they also collected data before the pandemic hit. So the result is that we get to see some nice comparisons. We will look at some of those findings and then try to decipher why those changes occurred and assess the behavioral and psychological impact that
0: they may have. It is interesting because some of the findings are contrary to what we might think, and it will be interesting to see if they continue after the pandemic is done. Okay, Kurt, you ready to roll? Let's roll. Okay, let's review what the article said. Let's just start
1: with sort of the data points, right? Okay. And it, it might be good to start with the methodology. So Microsoft took about 350 people from the Modern Workplace Transformation Team and, and some other groups. Um, and, and they looked at areas like work-life balance and collaboration uh, by analyzing aggregated and de-identified email, calendar, and IM metadata. So they compared it with metadata from prior time periods, and they invited colleagues to share their own thoughts and feelings around this, right? Good, good. So what was some of the data, Tim? Okay, so some of the, some of the first findings were that, that people worked, on average, four more hours a week during the pandemic than before.
0: Whoa, that's, that's a lot. That's 45 minutes a day.
1: Yeah. So that that is significant. Uh, they also found that people did a, uh, well, good job, bad job, but they carved out time during the day to take personal time. Child care, walking the dog, exercise, things like that. That happened more frequently during the day. Um, and they were more likely to start earlier or work later. You know, oftentimes working over lunches and things like that was more common during the pandemic than before the pandemic. Uh,
0: also, Kurt, you want to add to that? Yeah. So one of the interesting pieces from my perspective on this is that while meeting time increased overall by 10 percent, the average meeting duration shrank. So there was a 22% increase in meetings of 30 minutes or less. So people started, they, they met more, right? But they were meeting for shorter periods of time, um, which was really interesting when, when we think about this. Uh, and, and we'll get into that, right? Um, the other interesting piece is that social meetings went up Ten percent, so, in that first month after this the the just idea of having a social meeting to to get together and to talk and to just share whatever's going on in your life those those increased um, multitasking in meetings, however, did not spike. Even though people were working from home, people did not do what I tend to do often is go off and work on other things as as we're doing. And lastly, and I think this, well, not lastly, um, one of the other pieces that I thought was really interesting is that managers were the hardest hit. They were the ones who were taking um, the most, having spending the most extra time. So that four hours a, a week, actually managers were a little bit more. However, Managers that spent more time initially or up front doing one-on-one conversations with their team members were not as hard hit overall uh, than those who didn't. So if they looked at the total of four months, some managers spent a lot of time up front doing one-on-ones, and those managers in general – uh, are spending less time now uh, working, so they're not the ones who are necessarily doing a lot. So that was that was an interesting piece. And as you talked about that work life um, thing was blurred, right? So yeah, working
1: through lunches and and stuff just became much more common during the the pandemic than it was prior to the pandemic.
0: Right. The they, interesting piece is they said you know there were some really I am messages would fall right at lunchtime prior to the pandemic they didn't fall nearly as much this time. They were just kind of constants throughout. So, all right. So that's the data. So now let's let's talk a little bit about some of the psychology potentially behind some of that. And I think one of the first things that we talked about, Tim, is that people are social and that connection matters. And, and, and they actually talked about this in the article. And, and I'll quote, human connection matters a lot And people find ways to get it. I just thought that was uh, so true, right? We are social creatures. We want to be connected with others. And we will find ways in order to make those social connections happen.
1: Yeah, I I love that here we, we have lots of evidence of people who have been, uh, quarantined, locked down for months. The, The stories that I hear about someone who said, well, they've only been outside their apartment four times in the last, you know, four months, you know, that it's remarkable and they're staying sane through all these, uh, these virtual connections that we figured out. And this is the insight that I think that is particularly interesting here is that people find a way to get the social connections in order to survive because it is a survival thing for us, right?
0: And and again, in in the article, and I'll I'll quote here is um, responding to the lack of natural touch points. Grabbing lunch in the cafeteria, popping by someone's desk, employees found new ones. In our group, these range from group lunches to happy hours with themes such as pajama day, meet my pet. So when they're open, right? When when we we don't have these normal touch points, um, we. Find new ways to do and and get those touch points right. We don't have those natural bump ins as Liz Fosline has talked about. Uh, those, as they said, grabbing lunch in the cafeteria, popping by somebody's desk, you know, having that two minutes before a meeting happens, and you you in the in the room before everybody else, and you're talking. So you have to manufacture those, and that is a psycholo- it's so psychologically strong that we are doing that
1: and i wonder if it's it's part of the compensation for not having the in person thing that we are willing to to have pajama day to meet my pet to you know to not work like you know how horrifying it was you know both of us are are work from home uh, consultants and how crazy it was to think oh my gosh if somebody walked into the frame or something you know was you know, upset the, the perfectly flat image behind us that, Oh man, everything's crazy. And now it's not just expected, but people just kind of laugh about it. It's kind of fun. It's like, Oh, was, was that your dog? Oh, yeah. tell us about your dog. And, and that, and it might be part of a compensation that we're doing so that we allow ourselves to be more vulnerable, to be more open, to be more, I'm getting to know you in a different way because I can't, I can't continue our relationship in the physical presence of each other.
0: Well, we know, from, I mean, the four-drive theory, which we've talked about um, uh, on on behavioral grooves uh, a couple times, is this idea that we're driven at work by four main underlying drives. And one of those is bonding and belonging, This the sense of connectiveness with others. And we go to great deals to make sure that those relationships are positive and that they're maintained. And, and this just Goes to prove that point even more, and and where I think it proves it is this this next aspect that I think is really interesting is that humans are adaptable when we need to be right um, and again, I will quote um, when driven by employees, entrenched norms can change quickly. That was a quote from the article this idea that wow, we are facing this strange new work from home, remote access. We have all these extra hours. We're working in various different things, but man, we are adapting. Um, And I think that's really interesting and it's adapting both positive and negative circumstances. So um those are really cool pieces of that.
1: Yeah. That we, we, we don't have so much status quo bias coming into this because it's totally different. It's totally, it's totally new. And one of the kind of wonderful things about the pandemic is that it's global. So it's not as if, if you're at Microsoft headquarters in Redmond, uh, you know, Washington, that your experience is going to be relatively similar to, to one of your, your colleagues in Torino, Italy or Tehran or, or Singapore, that you're actually going to have some pretty similar things going on. Maybe not, certainly not identical, but, but the, the continuity of, wow, our whole world has changed. This is an opportunity to try something new. Right. Our and, and- go to that.
0: Yeah. And and part of that is, is there's this idea of a hedonic treadmill, right? And this is for the positive things, right? Where you've, you've seen this a lot, Tim, in the work that you've done with, with rewards is that people get a pay raise and they're super excited about that pay raise and they're super motivated, but pretty soon that they, we become accustomed to that pay raise that we've gotten. And now we're motivated to go up and above and beyond. We adapt, Dan Gilbert has done some really interesting work on this. And, and one of the things he talks about is impact bias. Yeah. Uh, this idea that we are horrible. Uh, we do a horrible job at forecasting the impact that future events would have on us. Um, and also that we have this the psychological immune system, though, that it gives, it's part of that, that hedonic treadmill aspect that we are psychologically uh, inoculated against some of these things. But the... Talk a little bit about the impact bias.
1: I love the impact bias, uh, because I, I think about Dan's example, uh, when he talks about, uh, imagine going up to, uh, someone at a cocktail party and saying, imagine that your partner dies tomorrow morning. How are you going to feel a year from now? Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, first of all, it's the worst cocktail party question ever to ask. So don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't try this at home. But, but you can pretty, pretty much imagine that someone would say, I'm going to be devastated. My life will be completely upside down. I won't be able to get out of bed. I'll be crying all the time. You know, all this. And yet, when we look at how people deal with with death of a of a loved one, we we figure it out. We get back into routines. We we might create new routines, but we get back to some semblance of normalcy at some point in time. And it doesn't take years. Oftentimes, it takes a few weeks or a couple of months. And right figure out how to get back on our feet and we continue to push forward. There's a strength in the human condition that is fascinating to me. And, and the, the, all of this gets back to our impact bias that we do a terrible job of forecasting that, you know, that, Oh no, in two or three months, we're going to laugh. We're going to go out. We're going to, we're going to have picnics with friends. We're going to be at parties. Yeah. You know, life could actually be good. Will there be moments of, of depression? Yes, there will be, but that right. will not define our life, you know, at some point in the future.
0: Well, and, and this idea that, hey, if you would have polled or even asked the cocktail party question of, wow, if, if it was January 1st, you're at a New Year's Eve party of 2020 and you ask somebody, hey, what do you think would happen if – uh we had to go into lockdown and everybody had to work from home because there's this pandemic and that we're under quarantine, not for just a week or two weeks, but man, we're, it's parts of the country are under quarantine for, for months. Um, and that we have hundreds of thousands of people dying, uh, that we have economic crisis that's going on. Uh, how would you feel and how would you be responding to this? And for most people, I think that they're, Response would have been exactly like you said. Like if your spouse had died, it's like no way. I'd be, we'd be mourning. It would be horrible and different things. And I think for most people, now granted, there are people who are struggling, and and, and not to discount that, but for most people, we have adapted. We that that psychological immune system has kicked into place, and not that we enjoy this normal, but it's not the end of the world that uh, we would have anticipated in advance. So I think that's really interesting. Exactly. And 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 again, uh, in the article they talk about fresh start, which we've talked about with uh, you know Wendy Wood on on Behavioral Grooves, as well as as Katie Milkman uh, talking about fresh starts and and these opportunities to have a new start, and that's one of the things that's going on. And so this idea that habits change quickly, uh, these IE shorter meetings, more online social gatherings. And part of that is this fresh start thing. But I think part of it can also be attributed to no status quo bias that, hey, this is brand new. So we don't have any concept of what is status quo. There are no prior ways of doing thing. And then this other idea that we're just uh, starting to talk about is that there's there's permission is permission to try new things, peer permission, leadership permission. Uh, Given the chaos, it's okay to try something new and it's okay if you fail at it because man, nobody's ever gotten, nobody's ever done this before. So it's okay.
1: Yeah. I love that. That peer permission is really cool. This also brings us to an important aspect that has come up in many of our conversations on behavioral grooves about the need to set boundaries. It's really, really important in the work from home environment to have specific times of the day, specific tax, tasks that you're going to achieve uh, that are unrelated to the hedonic treadmill that you set in advance and that you commit to so that you've got work time and that you've got play time. You've got exercise time. You've got rest time. You've got kid time. You've got, you know, work time, all those kinds of things. And Liz and Liz talked about, um, you know, getting into a zone and forgetting about time. And it's just too easy to just drift off and just, keep drilling down into whatever project you were doing. And without those specific boundaries, I I actually set alarms on my phone. Mm. I actually use my phone to set an alarm to say, I have to get, I have to get done with this uh, particular thing in 90 minutes. Right. I set the alarm to remind me that, 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 Oh, you know what? It's, I've been drifting.
0: We don't have those normal boundaries that we had when we were working from an office. And so that's part of the reason why we are working more hours now than we did when we were going into an office, because you don't have that eight necessarily. You got to be there at eight and you leave at five. That's not how it works. You kind of just there. The other piece of this is, is getting this, having routines in there, but also not feeling guilty about uh, the other aspects of the work that are going on because pandemic has you know, changed and you might have to take care of the kid during the day. And so we end up feeling guilty about that and then overcompensating um, by working extra, um, getting up early to do that work or, or staying up really late at night. And so with that, uh, all right.
1: Just before before you recap, Kurt, just one last thing. I think about the power of lunch uh, in offices that i worked in in the past there's some pretty rigorous definition around when lunch happens. And at the moment that certain groups say, okay, it's time to break from everything and we're going to go to lunch. Yeah. And people are, are very, they hold meeting, they hold that lunchtime as sacred and you don't schedule meetings over that unless you absolutely have to. Uh, and then of course, when you do, you bring in food and all those kinds of things. But but that gets broken up when everybody's working from home in different time zones. It kind of just just doesn't matter. So I think that's a
0: really good, really good insight. So, all right, let's recap. Okay. Almost all of us have been thrown into a new work routine. Microsoft was able to capture electronic data on this and it points to some interesting trends. One, we are working longer hours, almost four more hours per week. We are having more meetings um, than we had in the past, but often of shorter duration. Uh, And the brunt of all of this pain falls on managers. The psychology behind this is particularly interesting.
1: We know that people are social creatures and that we crave connections. And this, in part, was the reason for the increased meetings, even when they were social.
0: Right. And managers, again, bore the brunt of this craziness. But those that focused on person uh, doing one-on-one calls with their team up front fared better in the long run we assume their teams did better as well. And it's important uh, to understand that to focus on the human side of things under stress. And the pandemic has definitely brought some stress. And we talked about this in our Weekly Grooves episode called Reopening Your Business with an Emotional Boot Camp. Uh, That was a few episodes ago.
1: Clearly, humans are adaptable and creative, and these items really lit up because of the pandemic. Microsoft's data reveals how we adapt to both the good, you know, using the hedonic treadmill, and the not so good, like with our psychological immune system. Some of this adaptability probably happened because in the chaos, we were given permission to be creative, and we had no status quo holding us back.
0: Finally, we need some routines and boundaries, or we can find ourselves working longer and longer hours. And in these crazy times, we need to establish these and move forward in implementing them to ensure that we are not just getting sucked in to our work. Yeah, lots of good
1: information here. Lots of things that we can think on. And with that, we wrap up this episode of Weekly Grooves. We greatly appreciate you listening and hope that you enjoyed this and found it useful. If you did like it, please share it with a friend. Leave us a review on Apple or whatever podcast service you use. We hope that you go out and find your groove this week.